Hi, everybody. Welcome again to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont campus. If we don't know each other, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor of the church in Belmont, and it is great to talk to you today. In the sermon you're about to listen to, we're going to talk about a story that's in the Bible. If you've never heard it before, you might be kind of surprised that it's in there. It's a story that can be a bit shocking. It's a story that can sound a bit scandalous, but it's a story that has a lot to teach us about who God is and how much he loves you. So I hope you'll enjoy this and I hope you listen closely because I believe that God has something he would like to say to you. If you were going to get married, if it was time to get married, some of us, many of us have, maybe you're in that position this morning, you'd like to get married or someone in your life is in that position, uh, niece, nephew, cousin, friend, grandchild, roommate is looking to get married, I suppose a great piece of advice that you would give them is that when looking for a spouse, they should be very concerned about the character of that other person. If you were going to give someone advice, if they came to you and they said, look, I'd really like to get married, what kind of person do you think I should go for? You would probably advise them and say, listen, physical attraction is nice. Uh, The person's career plans, that's important as well. But when it comes right down to it, you need to think about things like character and integrity. And if this person is the kind of person who lives out their values and does what they say they're going to do, if they're the kind of person that's going to stick with you when life gets difficult, if I was going to give good marriage advice to one of my closest friends, I would give advice along that sort of line. I'm sure you would too. Listen, if you're going to get married, character matters. If you were to do a Google search and you were to search traits of a good spouse and then you were to start to scroll through the responses, you would find uh, articles from popular magazines, you would find blog posts, you would find editorials, you would even on that first page find a number of Bible verses. And they would all say remarkably the same thing. That above everything else, the character of the other person matters. In fact, the Bible, in the Bible, there's an old ancient proverb that speaks to this. This proverb was specifically written towards men looking for a wife, but it says what we're talking about here, and this is what it says. It says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she, I skipped through it, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, But she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Really what that proverb is saying is, at the end of the day, what matters more than anything else is the character of the person who you are marrying. And if someone was to ask you advice, I'm sure you would say the same thing. Now, I don't know of anyone else in Scripture who understands the truth of this proverb better than the prophet Hosea. I don't know if you're familiar with the story, and I said it before, I'll say it again. Parts of it might be a little shocking to you. The story goes like this. Hosea was looking to be married. And so, like, in, like many people who were looking to be married, Hosea went to friends and family and began to talk to them and say to them, I'm sure, 
you know, I'd like to get married. He's a young guy, ambitious guy. He's a prophet of God. And so he's got to try to find, you know, someone who wants to be married to someone who's a prophet. As you talk to my wife, Lori, it's not always easy to be married to the person that's up on the stage shooting their mouth off. And so, you know, he's got to find someone who will deal with all of that. And, and, and so Hosea is looking for somebody and he starts talking to people and he says, uh, what, uh, what should I be looking for? And they all said to him the same thing. Oh, Hosea, go and find a woman of great character. You know, find a girl that's going to treat you right. Find a girl that's going to stick with you. And you know, Hosea, you be the same thing to her. You know, make sure you have good character. You'll stick with her through the difficult times. If you guys can find that, that will be wonderful. I'm sure Hosea, you picked up his copy of the Israel Daily Times and read the editorial, Top 10 Traits of a Spouse, and went online to create his Match.com profile. And right before he created it, probably thought to himself, I should ask God about this. And so he went to God and he said, God, what should I be looking for? Now, the book, Hosea, says this is the first time that God begins speaking through Hosea. Prophets, the Old Testament prophets, we talked about this a little bit last week, their job is to display God to the people. So not only in what they say when they speak, they speak on behalf of God, as they live, many times their lives become examples to the people of what a relationship with God should look like. So Hosea took all of his marriage advice to God and said, God, who do you want me to marry? And this is what God says in Hosea chapter 1. Verse 2, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have great children of whoredom for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Yeah, that's what he said. It's in the book. You cross-stitch that verse and hang it above your fireplace, right? Yeah, nice one. Instagram that tomorrow morning. Just doing my devos. This one spoke to me. Go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Hosea took that word and you can imagine how he must have felt. Here he is. He's going to go and try to find a wife. He's God's man. He's the prophet. And he's supposed to go do this great work for God. And this is what the Lord calls him to do. In fact, if we were going to say it today, we might say, Hosea, go and find a woman who is just known for having a lot of relationships. Go and find a woman who has a checkered past. Go and find a woman who's been with a lot of different people. Marry her. Well, Hosea is a prophet. And so he went and did what God said. Hosea went, and he didn't just find somebody, okay? He didn't just go and, and try to get this done. Hosea went and fell in love with a woman named Gomer. Truly loved her. And I bet at the beginning she loved him too. And they got married. And they moved out into the suburbs. And they got a nice house and they began to build a family together. They had three children, we read. And the names of those three children tell us something 
about the relationships between two different groups of people. The first child they had, they named Jezreel. Now, Jezreel may not mean that much to you and me, but to an Israelite living in 725 BC, the name Jezreel would mean quite a bit. Jezreel would not bring up happy thoughts. Jezreel would bring up thoughts of great shame. What happened in Jezreel is Jezreel was the site of Israel's greatest unfaithfulness to God. You may have heard of the name Jezebel before, very evil, wicked queen who ruled over Israel. Well, she had a husband who was equally as wicked named Ahab. So Ahab and Jezebel ruled over Israel. And when Ahab and Jezebel were in charge of the nation, they were at their absolute worst in their relationship with God. At the end of their reign, there was massive bloodshed and slaughter in the city of Jezreel. It's not a happy remembrance. You know, we have those times in our places in our history that we would love to forget, love not to pay attention to, things that we're ashamed of as a culture, country. That was just real for the Israelites. And so Hosea names his son Jezreel, and every time he's around town and Jezreel runs away and he calls out to him, Jezreel, get back here, listen to me, stay here, hold my hand. Anyone within listening distance would be reminded of their nation and culture's shameful, unfaithful past. They had two more children. Names didn't really get any better. The next child they named Loruhama, which means no mercy. And their third child, they named Loami, which means not my people. So anytime it was time to round up the kids for dinner and call everybody in for the night, Hosea would stand on his front porch. I don't think this happens anymore. Probably you just text your kids now. But I remember my dad used to stand on the back porch and whistle. And that, when I heard that whistle, I knew it was time to stop playing baseball, whatever we were doing, and come home. I don't know if your parent used to stand on the porch and just yell or something, but, but when Hosea was calling his kids in at night, he would, he would say, Jezreel, no mercy, not my people, get in here. And anyone within listening distance would be reminded of something in their relationship with God. The name spoke to shame and unfaithfulness and broken relationship. And when Hosea was speaking to the people, that's exactly where they were. The relationship between God and his people had deteriorated. So much so that in the eyes of God, the people were living just like they lived under Ahab and Jezebel. It was just like back in the day of, of Jezreel. They weren't paying attention to him. They weren't following him. They were off doing their own thing. And so God was at a point when he's speaking through Hosea that he was done showing mercy to his people. And in fact, even though the Israelites are God's chosen people, in a sense, God was saying to them, you're not my people like this. But I don't think it was just Israel and God's relationship the name spoke to. I think they also spoke to the relationship between Hosea and Gomer. You see, it didn't take too long before Gomer went back to her old life. I think maybe Hosea thought to himself, hey, I'm the prophet of God. God's asking me to do this. 
if I marry Gomer the way he's telling me to, then she'll change and things will be fine. And I'm sure they were at the beginning. They got married. They went off to the Mediterranean Sea and had a wonderful honeymoon and came back and started this family. But as one kid came and two and then three, life gets busy. Communication breaks down. And eventually they just started spending more time apart. Gomer would start going out with her friends. And one night, she just didn't come home. And then another night, and another. And eventually, Hosea learned through the grapevine that she was living with somebody else. And I'm sure there were many nights that Hosea put the kids to bed and got them all tucked in, and they, with tears in their eyes, asked where mom was, and he didn't really know. He would hear things from time to time about where she was staying and whom she was with and what house that she was living in. And I'm sure the worst prophet part for the prophet was to walk through the streets. He saw the glances. He heard the snickers. He heard the whispers. This is the prophet of God. He can't even take care of himself. You know, through it all, Hosea loved Gomer. No matter where she went or what she did or who she was with, his love for her never changed. In fact, even while she was living in someone else's home, he would do everything that he could to make sure that she had everything that she needed. In fact, I think that there were probably times that based on what the text says, he would seek her out and, and leave for her what she needed. And so he might leave a package on a doorstep of the house that he know, she knew she was staying in, fill it with things like grain and wine and oil, put a little bit of money in the bottom of the box, and then sit and wait and watch from the shadows as she came and picked up the box and looked at it questioningly, looked around and then walked inside. Even though she wasn't with him, he still loved her. Wanted to make sure that she was well cared for. It got to the point where Gomer got herself into some real trouble. It wasn't just that she was living with different men, staying with different men. She got herself into some real hot water. Because at some point, and I don't know how it happened, Gomer was sold into slavery. It's not something that was uncommon in the ancient world. Every town, city, metropolitan area had some system of paying off debts by giving ownership of someone or yourself to the other person. So I'm not sure if one of the men Gomer was with sold her off to pay a debt or if she had to go to somebody and make a deal on her own to say, listen, I need some money. I'll, I'll stay underneath your control if you give me this amount of money. But however it happened, Gomer found herself in a position where she was owned by somebody else. And at that moment, the word of the Lord came back to Hosea. 
And he said, go again. In Hosea chapter 3. Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. So Hosea did what God told him to do and he went. He found the man who owned his wife, Gomer, who he still loved and he knocked on his door and he said, listen, I don't know what the price is, but tell me what it is and I'll pay it. And I'm sure he cringed and shook his head because he knew this guy was just about to say a price far greater than whatever it was that was truly owed to him. But what was he supposed to do? So the man looked at Hosea and said, all right, it's 15 grams of silver and eight bushels of barley. And Hosea probably looked back at him and said, you got to be kidding me. He said, I don't have that much. I'll give you seven grams of silver. I'll give you four bushels of barley. And they went back and forth, bartering and haggling for ownership of Gomer. And finally, they settled on a price, about 11 grams of silver and about six and a half bushels of barley. I'm sure that ride home was a quiet one. They walked into the house, shut the door. And Hosea simply turned to his wife and said this, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not belong to another man, so I will also be to you. And that's the story of Hosea and Gomer. But why? Why is it in the book? What are you and I supposed to learn from this? If the life of a prophet, if the words of a prophet are to teach us something, then what in the world are you and I supposed to learn from this? Is the lesson just don't marry someone who's going to cheat on you? No, but that's not bad advice. The lesson is something different. You see, Israel is present in the story. So God tells, shows this story through the prophet Hosea, holds up Hosea and Gomer as an example to his people, and the people themselves, Israel, are present in the story, and you and I are present in this story as well. And you may say, yes, I know. I'm Hosea. I love people no matter what. I take care of people no matter what. Even when people wrong me, I love them. No, you're not Hosea in this story. Israel's not Hosea in this story. I'm not Hosea in this story. You are Gomer. And so am I. The Israelites are Gomer in this story too. Because God had taken care of them. God had loved them. They were his people. They were his, in a sense, spouse. And they had in every single way walked away from him. Forgotten what he said to them. Forgotten his law. Forgotten his rules. Taken all the worship they were to give to God. And they were giving it to false gods. 
And God points, uh, puts himself in a position in this book, not just as a, a husband who has lost his spouse, but he also puts himself in the position of a father who has lost his child. This is what he says in Hosea chapter 11. He said, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. You remember when he brought them out of Egypt? Out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals. Baals are false gods and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. And in this story, God positions himself as a husband who's lost his spouse. He positions himself as a loving father who took that infant child. Israel taught them to walk, taught them to live. And when that child got big enough to think for themselves, said, forget you and left. And God's heartbroken over it. He's angry, but he's heartbroken too. And the thing that you and I have to think about this morning is that in this story, we are Gomer too. God has created us. God creates you, provides for you, sustains you. And in every way, we have taken what God has given us and we have walked away from him in our lives. We have gone our own way. We have done our own thing. We take the best of our time and our energy and our resources. Another word for that would be worship. We take our worship, the best of what we have, and we give it to other things. We take the best of our time and our energy and our resources and we give it away to the gods of things like money and sex and work and relationship, entertainment, those things aren't necessarily bad things, but when they become ultimate things and take the place of God in our lives, we're cheating on him. But just like the prophet Hosea, No matter how much we walk away from God, no matter how much we leave him, no matter how much we take all of our worship and give it to the wrong things, God becomes hurt by that. He becomes angry by that. But his love for us never changes. So, maybe you're here this morning and you believe like Hosea believed that God is real, that his word is true. You follow Jesus with your life, but you know in many ways in your life you've walked away from him. You've taken your time and your talent, your resources, your energy, and you're giving them to other things. I mean, God gets what's left over, but for the most part, you're 
You're, you're taking what you have that is best and giving it to other things less important than him. There are rules that you know God has given for your life and you are right now saying, God, forget those rules. They don't matter to me. I'm going to do my own thing. And in every sense of the word, when we do that to God, I've done it and you've done it. We are being unfaithful to him. It makes him angry. It leaves him heartbroken. But the good news is that his love for you never changes. Jesus told a story like this. There was a young boy, a son, who went to his father and said, Dad, I want my inheritance. I want to go live my life. Basically walked up to his father and said, Dad, I wish you were dead. Can you give me the money now? And he took that money and he went and he partied lavishly and he spent wildly to the point that he was probably uh, addicted and homeless and broke. And when he had nowhere else to go, he decided it was time to go home. He fully expected to walk in that house and experience his dad's wrath. His dad flung open the door and showed him great love. I want you to know the same is true for you this morning. where you and your life have walked away from God, where you and your life have done something that you think God is so angry about, he could never forgive you. It's time to come home. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't believe what Hosea believed. You don't aren't really buy into all this stuff. You're not quite sure about who Jesus is. You're not quite sure about who God is. I want you to know that even though you feel like you forgot about God long ago and he has probably forgotten about you, God has not forgotten about you. And no matter wherever you are in your life right now, however far you feel like you have drifted away from God, if he even exists, God loves you and desires relationship with you. All you have to do Come home and begin to follow him. It is so appropriate today that we end this message with communion. And I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as we prepare to close this morning. I'm going to ask you just to listen to me for one more minute. The peak of this story, the climax of this story, the important piece of this story is when the prophet Hosea, in spite of his wife's unfaithfulness, in spite of her desire to go and live her own life and leave her husband and kids behind, the the greatest moment in this story is when Hosea is willing out of his love to go and redeem his wife and to buy her back. How many of us, after years of walking through the same cycle, might not publicly, but at least internally, say to ourselves, good, they're finally getting what they deserve. But Hosea goes and pays the price that Gomer could not pay on her own. All of us have gotten ourselves into a situation where we owe a debt we cannot pay. Because of the way we've walked away from God, what the Bible calls sin, 
We are left facing God's judgment and his wrath. We are left with a broken relationship between us and God, and there is no possible way we can fix it on our own. But God, God redeems us. God pays the ransom that we cannot pay on our own. And in a sense, God buys us back. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why Jesus Christ dies on the cross for you and for me so that he can pay the penalty that we could never pay on our own. All we need to do is come before him and accept it. All we need to do is come before him and say to him, God, I'm ready to come back home. Thank you again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont campus. At Mount Hope, we gather each week to learn more about God, grow in our love of God and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts area, we'd love to have you join us. We meet Sunday mornings in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and Sunday mornings in Belmont at 10 a.m. You can find out more about us at our website, www.mounthope.org. Have a good day, and we'll see you back here next week.